Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where our goal is to help you increase your leadership capacity. Let's get ready for today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we get together uh, every month to talk about how we can expand our leadership capacity. And today, um, we're going to be talking about a little bit about how we got to where we are at One Community Church. So I'm here with Pastor Conway and Pastor Kurt. He's hey. one of the OGs of One Community Church. Yes, sir. Yes, he is. Well, well, well. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Hey, pray for us today. We don't know what Pastor Kurt oh, might Lord. say. Okay, pray for us today. If you've heard before, you have no idea <laughs> what we might have to edit out. If there's any little chops in the audio or video, that means we edited out Pastor Kurt saying something crazy. Today. All right. You ready to go? So, Let's go. Uh, we left Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, where I served for uh, 15 years. and um, 15 never, years? Yeah. Hold up. That's it, a big part of this story. That is a big It's a massive Hold part up. of this story. You were there longer than you've been here. Uh, so far, absolutely. Oh, wow. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so we, we started off, never wanted to plant a church, never wanted to uh, start and be a lead pastor of anything. Uh, however, uh, my lead pastor, my, my spiritual father, um, challenged me after we did a singles ministry. And so he, the last two years, I was finished up my doctoral work, and he asked me to um, lead a singles ministry. And during that process, uh, I went from, you know, very 20 people or so to like over 1,000 people. And we, I was shocked. Everybody was shocked. I only did it once a month, but it was an incredible experience and um, really, really, really honed some skills and abilities there. He saw it, and he thought that I could do more for the island of Jamaica from here than going there. And so that became the start and the birth of praying about what could be possible here in the United States. So that's kind of how it went. That's kind of how we started. And so then we said, all right, let's see. And I promise you, we thought if we had 100 people, we'd be a mega church and we'd be the most excited people on the planet. Uh, and we came to the north side intentionally. Uh, everybody else wanted to go to the south side. We said, nope. We said we should go on the north side. Here's the simple reason why. Because we thought if you're going to have a predominantly black church, I could do that in Jamaica. I, could, I didn't want to have a predominantly black church. I wanted to have a diverse church. So then you couldn't go on the south side either because if you went on the south side, it was majority African-American. So we decided to come on the north side. And so we looked for the place that had the lowest percentage of white people. And uh, that was Allen, Texas. Not white people. Not white. Uh, the lowest percentage of, of African Americans. Oh, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, that's right. <laughs> of African Americans. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, and so we came to Allen, Texas. That had about 4% at the time. And, uh, and that's why we started here, because we wanted to make sure that we would be forced to witness, to evangelize, and reach uh, everybody else. Everyone. Um, and everyone totally. So that's kind of how we started, man. And really, uh, what you're going to hear today is just a journey of God's faithfulness. Um, it's not going to be how crafty or <laughs> strategic we were. Um, it's just a story of his faithfulness and how he's been a part of every single thing that's gone on at one community church. Because, I mean, even from the start. Because yep. um, your wife was really behind this at the beginning, right? She wanted to plant a church. <laughs> she wanted to have so. no. Actually, when I married her... I promised her I wouldn't be nobody's senior pastor. I did. And, uh, and so my pastor had to convince her that I wasn't lying <laughs> and that it, was, um, and it, it wasn't our desire up front. And so he had to convince her. Uh, but he had to do a lot of convincing, so I'm grateful for him uh, in that process. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we started. And we started the process by just asking 
um, we wanted to create a church that we would want to go to. Uh, and so we decided and we asked them really tough questions. What's a prayer mm. that, um, that, that Jesus prayed that we could answer? Mm. And so we started our church. What was a prayer that Jesus prayed that we could answer? And he said, yeah. I pray that they're one. As he's praying to the Father, Jesus was. And he says, I pray that they're one as you and I are one. And the idea there is this idea of oneness was significant in the start because we just believed that the, we did not know of a church where you could be fully known and fully loved mm -hmm. at the same time. Where you could be on your worst day they'd love you and on your best day they'd love you. We didn't know of a church that. We didn't know of a church where um, you could feel and sense a community of people fighting for you. Uh, no matter what. And because of that, um, we said, what would happen if that ever took place? And so myself and Pastor KC, you'll remember this, Kurt, Pastor KC started praying and, and Pastor KC's bride and Jada, and we started praying about whether or not, first of all, whether or not we should do this. Mm. That took about three months. And then we said, okay, we're about 80%. And then we said, okay, what else is there that we could or could not do? And then it was a go for all four of us. And then we said, all right, let's see what we're going to do now. And so we asked eight people. Eight people. Mm. But it's not fair to say that we're a church plant, and it's not fair because we had two years of practice before we started. So all the eight people that I asked my pastor if I could take with me, because that's what you do when you're honoring up, if the eight people I asked if I could take with me um, were eight people that were serving in what we called Friday Night Lives then at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. So because of that, these were eight people that were doing church regularly uh, on a monthly basis, and he said, yes, I could take them, and they all moved up here, and we all started, and then um, we started with about literally... 10, 8 to 12 people is what we started with in Pastor Casey's house. And, yeah. um, and that's kind of yeah. how the journey, the journey really, really began. But we really asked some, some tough questions early in the journey. Yeah. We, we really wanted to know um, what are the things that we can take from church over the history of church? And what are some things that we should not take mm -hmm. and we should abandon? And so one of them was uh, nobody big and everybody little. And we started out our church with that. Nobody big. Nobody had parking spaces. Nobody. We didn't have no parking space. We had mm. in front of somebody's house. Mm. Uh, but we all said, nobody big, everybody little. And that has been one of our hallmarks from the start all the way until today, where we really try to dumb down and make sure there's nobody that's that's looked up to and worshipped mm -hmm. but the one Jesus Christ himself. Pastor Kurt, what do you got? Yeah, no, so I was there when we, when we were really just getting started and i remember the transition because early on like there were, it would startle me too people would walk up to pastor conway and just say hey conway and i'd be like wait a second like his name is pastor or dr conway i would call him doc most of the time but just to call him conway like blew my mind and he never took offense to it it was just like yeah what's up what's up what's up you know and there was a lot of that that was there but then we had to transition i remember when you actually had to step um, or just really tell people, okay, today we're going to actually use titles because we couldn't even tell who was a leader. At, and, and then there, was, there, were, there were issues where people were purporting to be leaders that, that weren't, and they were doing stuff that we didn't really sanction. And so we actually had to say, okay, just for the sake of clarity, these people are leaders and these aren't. But before then, it was really like first name basis and access was easy. So can you tell us about that transition and the significance of it? Yeah, so as we went from the, from the house, when we got to about 70 people and the house was just too small to hold everybody, then we tried to get a hotel. And when you go through that transition, 
to a hotel where you're meeting in a, a one ballroom and you can now hold about 125. Uh, that's when we began to say, okay, well, um, uh, when you're at church, you can use a little bit of tiles, but, but you don't have to. But, but some people should find that out. So we still didn't mandate it, and we didn't really want it mandated, but we wanted people to know who the leaders were. And so some of us started saying Pastor Casey or Pastor Conway and so on and so forth. But from the jump, it was not the DNA of our church. It was, you can call us anything. We're not tripping over a title. Yeah. And you need to know why. The yeah. history of the church is that before, um, people would use the church and the titles as a position of authority and power. And because of that, it was where they got their identity from. And we knew our identity was in Christ. Nobody had to call us a title. So we were just very comfortable doing and being called whatever people wanted to call. The only other issue, Pastor Coach, if you remember this, was we had to address honor. So just because right. we dumbed it down right. does not mean that you don't still need to receive honor. And so while we didn't still talk about it a lot, we had to sometimes address the significance of honoring up, yeah. even though we have honored down. It's fine for us to honor down, mm -hmm. but the body still needs to honor up. And so we talked about that a couple of times, but again, it was not a big hallmark. Yeah. And so we just wanted to start it that way. Another yeah. one that we started out with was we didn't collect offering. So mm -hmm. it, first of all, nobody got paid. Nobody on staff got paid. Hold on. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Nobody got wow. paid. Okay. Uh, it was all volunteer. The first three years of our church, uh, Jada was working. I was bumming it out. And um, literally nobody got paid, and we just we just hustled hard. And the reason nobody got paid is, one, because we didn't have the money for it. But number two, we knew that the... That, the, that anything we got as far as a building would be expensive. So you had to pay the cost now to make sure you had enough money when the opportunity came. Because if you didn't have enough money, you'd miss an opportunity, which then meant you could not grow as fast as you wanted to grow. But we still weren't even convinced that we were going to grow. We're just trying to do something for the glory of God. But that was a big one. No pats on the plate. People couldn't believe it. They said, this is ridiculous how you get money, and God would just provide. And then number two, we said, we're going to make sure, as, far, as long as it depends on us, we're going to make sure that nobody gets paid. No musician, no pastor. But you can't tell the musician you're not going to get paid, and then you get paid. So it has to be all the way across. Nobody gets paid. We're going to support it. No, because the goal is, everybody listening, uh, you should live off of one income. So since that's the goal, then you manage your expensive so you can live off of one income and be okay. Pastor Kurt, tell us about those days. So, so on the backside of that, it means that you have to be flexible because we went through a lot of musicians. Um, some of them... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> had some illustrious stories, but you know, because a lot of them had egos and they felt like, man, you know, I can go down the street and yep. get all kind of money and y'all want me to come up here and do this for free. Ain't nobody doing that. So that was a struggle. So, you know, week to week, it was a walk of faith sometimes. We didn't know who was going to show up and all that stuff. So, so that was awesome to see though, when you actually, cause I remember Crystal, we call her Crystal Keys. Um, this girl, she had this woman of God um, had just a heart, and then she really carried us for for many years. And then when people saw her spirit, um, then it was like there she was a magnet. And so then she drew in a lot of other musicians as well that had the same heart and same spirit. Yeah, that was a big deal. But the reason you do that is because you care more about somebody's heart than their talent. And God can use the heart of a person that's pure uh, to do greater things than great skill and a bad heart. So we were just convinced of that early. So if we had the right people with the right heart, God will take care of the rest. And so we, we didn't care much about, we would much rather have A heart and C talent 
than a talent and C heart. And so our, our music department was just at best average. And we had to go out of town to get musicians. Right. So for example, right. that young lady he's talking about, we had to go to the Impact Movement, which is African American Student College Ministry Movement, and we had to recruit her from there. She was going to Dallas Seminary. So we got her, she went to Dallas Seminary, and then she served here while she did it. Same thing with a lot of our worship leaders. We had to go recruit them because nobody would come and work for free. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that people that wanted to be here wanted to be on this team in this season for the glory of God. And God just blessed us with some of the most humble, God-loving, incredible people mm -hmm. that we got to serve with. And um, and we wouldn't be here today if it you wasn't for their faithfulness and their love. You remember Kizzy? Kizzy, are, she was, I, I would say she's the second best drummer that we've ever had because I, I was the best. Kurt, Kurt. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> This may be edited. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But we had, we had, yeah, we had an issue with the drummer. We had to replace it, and then I stepped in with my marvelous gifts uh, for a little bit, and then for um, two weeks. That's, <laughs> That's all we could take, y'all. Two weeks. Two weeks. We got to do better than Pastor Kurt right now. But he held us down for one week. There we go. A little off key, but we held, he held us down. He held us down a little. Bit. But then she, she was amazing. Yep. And um, she just came to church one day and said, "Hey, I can play drums." And then there you go, because the Lord will provide for you. Mm. As long as you're asking him to provide the need you have, he'll provide. I promise. It's, it's happened, it happens a thousand times in this church. Where he just said, this is the need, God. We don't have anybody. What you going to do? It's your church, not mine. It's your church. What are we going to do? And then he provides it. So it was awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Well, there's something I, I noticed from the beginning mm -hmm. that I still see today. Okay. And that's the concept of starting with a team. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't just you, but you had a core team then. You have a core team now. What's the importance of a team? And and I know you talk about the purposes and the peep, the person. You ha you have five P's of of how you um, carry something out and how you lead and just how has that been important from then all the way till now? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I've always doesn't matter where I go. When I was doing ministry in Jamaica, I'd go to Jamaica four times a year and develop leaders down there. Right, we still had a team. When I was in the singles ministry, we still we had a team of forty five on our core team that met every single Tuesday, like we do now. And uh, in, for inspiration, for encouragement, it's all in our book that we wrote on it. But the significance was uh, they have to have your heartbeat, and if they don't have your heartbeat, then all you have is a group of people doing their individual assignments. When you have a group of people that are all on mission for the glory of God, then you have a, a group that you don't have to inspire and motivate every day because they get it. They have your heart. They have the DNA of what we believe God's trying to call us to create here. And so from the jump, man, we knew, hey, what's the problem we're trying to solve? People don't, people don't know Christ. And they need to know to come Christ. What's the second problem you're trying to solve? People say they're Christians, but they're not living like Christians. What's the third problem you're trying to solve? If you're trying to do the first two, then you're going to need leaders that can be developed to help you carry out the first two. Redeeming souls, um, rebuilding lives. The third one is reproducing leaders. And then the fourth one is reshaping community. How do you do that? God says, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, it's our job to show the community what a glimpse of heaven might look like if Jesus was ever fully in charge of the community, the city, or the country that you're a part of. And so we've, that, that's been the case when we were in our singles ministry. It's been the case since we've been as a church, and it's still the case today. We are driven by these, these four R's, redeeming souls, rebuilding lives, reproducing leaders, and reshaping community. What do you got, Pastor? Yeah, you know, um, I was just, so we just had a meeting with our founding partners, our founding team, 14 years celebrating. Um, and one person shared something 
that I thought was pretty remarkable. Um, Willie's, you know, a photographer and all that. Um, but he started off, um, he was the parking lot ministry. Hmm. And he shared the story of how you convinced him of the vision of starting uh, one community church. And his first job uh, was to park cars. And he just was like, what? There's only like three cars past the Conway. Like, what do, what do I need to, like, guy? they can find a parking spot. But you turned to him and said, no, you are the parking lot ministry. And so the seed of that was started earlier. So now we've got this amazing parking lot ministry that came out of that. And so in those early years, we see a lot of those seeds that were planted that are coming to fruition. Um, the Tuesday night core meetings. I remember we used to meet at Don Stevens' house yep. around a big old square table. It was like eight to 10 of us. Um, I've been coming to core for 14 years, <laughs> Tuesday night. 14 years. Um, but, you know, it was those meetings that you really poured into us, forged the vision. We had knocked down, drag out fights, but at the end of the day, we always loved each other and we always rallied around the same central vision that you just stated there. Not a whole lot of change about those knockdown drag out. <laughs> I would say quite a bitch changed. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Uh, number one value is biblical authority. That's it. Mm. That's and it. All, every single one of those was trying to be biblical <laughs> and trying to... Trying to really just do what the Bible says. That's it. When there's foolishness or drama, let's talk about it and yeah. not run from it, not That's have it. artificial harmony and agreement. Mm. And let's confront and... And it's tough to do that. Um, yeah. But that's that's not the whole point of today. That's right. That's um, right. That's right. So we went from the house, y'all. And then in about, I don't even remember how long now. Then we went to the hotel. Actually, every semester, mm. we had to do something different. Every single semester, uh, once we started our church. So whether it's the house, to the one bay in the apartment, to the two bays, to the three bays, to the whole hotel, to everything, right? So what's significant is we knew this principle early on, and that is your first building will determine the size of your church. That's so important. Your first building will determine the size of your church. So what that meant was we had to make sure we had a large enough group of people so that whenever we made our first move, we could sustain it, right? And so God has been very gracious to this church. We have... He has provided some direction and pathways that we never, we don't deserve. We never deserve. It will never happen again, which is why you can't almost follow our, our roadmap because it was so eclectic. It was so God-honoring. It was so God-directed. So we, we, we started meeting at this hotel, right? This hotel is right on the freeway because our goal was we'd always have a church on the freeway. Every campus on the freeway, major freeway. Mm. That's, what, that's usually what we like to do. So then we went to this hotel and said, hey, can we meet in your hotel? They said, yes, you can. You can get these two bays. At the mm. end of it, y'all, we had the whole hotel. We had the breakfast bar. We had, they gave us the whole thing. And somebody went to the same hotel after we left, and they couldn't get anything that we had, right? It was crazy how God, we had four services in that hotel, three in the morning, one in the evening, uh, and it was just it was just out of this world. We couldn't control the growth. We couldn't control anything, and we did not know what to do. We're there for about three and a half years. Pastor Kirk, tell us a little bit about how we had to get creative with buses, how we had to get creative with um, renting out karate studios uh, for kids, for middle school kids, for, for high school kids. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. And and that that's one of the hallmarks, I think, of our church is that creativity. Um, when I sat... I was talking about uh, the core team meetings, sitting at that table, sitting next to Pastor 
Conway and Jada, two of the most incredibly creative people that I've ever met. And so they could solve problems like I've never, you know, could have imagined solutions for. That was one of the remarkable ones. So we ran out of space, literally, for our youth program. And it was middle school, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was middle probably school? middle school, middle yeah, school. yeah. And so, because I mean, we, we just packed everything out. We had, you know, the upstairs, we had all the ballrooms, we had everything packed out. And so, um, and this is the summertime, too. Mm -hmm. So we just said, you know what? Um, we're going to rent some buses and they're just going to kind of get on those buses and do like a, a rolling kind of worship service. And Hold it was up. what's going on here? Buses? It was school buses, school not buses. like, oh, you know, Greyhound, like decked out school buses, barely a little bit of a AC. Um, but it was amazing because the kids, I mean, they, they just enjoyed the novelty of it, the excitement of it. Um, but we did a lot of creative stuff. Uh, you know like where that, that came from, though? That came from. Uh, in Jamaica, when I was growing up, I'd always go to camps in the summer, and you'd take these buses, and you'd sing songs along the way, and it would be yeah. so cold, and I thought, well, why don't we? Well, Let them drive around from one school to the next, then come off, do a little field trip, have your Bible study there, go back on, sing while you come back to church, and then that would be for an hour and a half. And I thought it was cool, and the kids thought it was like the best idea ever. They get to drive on a school bus. But it's a big risk, because we are in sure was. Collin County. <laughs> Like, I mean, you, if you don't know what Collin County is, we're just known for being bougie. Yeah. Um, so you got people rolling up with their Mercedes Benz or whatever, and they're going to drop their kid off to get on a school bus. Right. It was just what? But, yeah, they trusted us. So it was pretty amazing. And that was big because you could have easily have forced yourself into another building that wasn't the right one, but it wouldn't have prepared you for what God was going to do next. So you had to wait and wait and wait, and you had to go to three services. People were dying. And, by the way, let me tell you why that's important. Because... Music this is important. It really is important because musicians will cost you $400 per service. So if we had paid all our musicians, it would be 400 times four per week. Multiply that times four. And now you'd have been paying musicians so much, they would have been happy, but the church couldn't have the resources that it took to then get into the church building at Plano that we are today, which meant we needed to save $2 million in, in three years. That's never happened in church planning world before. $3 million, $2 million in three years is what we had to save. No, we didn't notice at the time. We're just saving as much as we could so that whenever our opportunity showed up, then we could pounce on it and not wait on it or not raise the money for it or any of that. So while we weren't getting paid, we were saving. Now imagine you have $2 million in the bank and you're not getting a paycheck. Most people would call that stupid. I called it being patient and wise and waiting for the opportunity that God is going to give you. And so what happened was, I'm now frustrated at God. Pastor Kurt, you remember this? Because I'm saying, God, we nobody can do four services, man. This ain't right. You get to see our church. You got to provide us a building. So there's a building behind the one in... Um, on, on 75 in Bethany, which is in Allen, Texas. And uh, we thought it was the coolest thing. You know, we always trying to be creative. This was a circular building. We thought, oh, we're going to be the coolest church on the planet. Now, what we didn't know then is that it only had about 200 parking spots, which really, it didn't even have that many. It had about, it didn't have 200. It had about, had about 75 parking yeah. spots. Yeah. yeah. So here's the problem with that. That means it was a big old building, but you couldn't park nobody there. But we didn't know that. We didn't mm -hmm. care about parking spots. We just thought the building was cool. So we marched around it, y'all, and we prayed like crazy. Crazy, mm. seven times mm. and knew that the Lord was going to provide mm -hmm. it. It was for sale. We say, yes, Lord, we want this. This is it. And, um, and Kurt, we did a, we did a really fasted, prayed for that building <laughs> mm -hmm. in Allen, Texas. And what happened? It wasn't it. 
It wasn't it. Um, and that, in, in fact, there are a couple of other buildings that we went to as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I do remember that one, um, marching around and, and believing God for that one. And the thing was, everything was better than a hotel. So he's just like, wow. Um, but actually, I remember um, I drove by that place like a couple of weeks ago and just looked at it and was like, man, it just looks so pathetic compared to where we are now because God has so much in store for us. So if we would have settled, um, we would have lost out on what God's true blessing um, was for us now. So, that's so the simple story. principle is just thank God for unanswered prayers because the Closed city doors. of Allen said, no, we're not giving it to our church. We don't care what you say. And then we want to say, it's racism. Y'all don't love us. We got mm. the African-American. And they said, no, we're just not giving it to no church. It's going to be somebody that pays taxes, not y'all. Do you so, want to tell us the story of how you were driving by this this site? And yeah, yeah. So so then after that, still mad at God saying, come on, man, there's too much work and we need to slow down, whatever. Anyways, so I'm driving by the site and there's a church here. Uh, it's in the center of all of Collin County, all the big cities, and uh, I just had an impression. Uh, no, I don't tell I don't tell anybody. God told me so, not yet until after it happens. So I had an impression that this would be our church, and I'm like, God, come on, this is ridiculous. There's a church being there. You just want to kick the people out, and we get the church. And He said, I, I just remember the impression. You just need to go talk to them tomorrow and see. And tell them that um, if their church is for sale, ask them if their church is for sale. Long story short, next day came over here with one of our realtors, and we said, "Hey, you know what? We 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 don't know, but uh, is the church for sale?" Then they said to us, "Are you kidding me? We just had a meeting last night, and in the meeting last night, we're trying to figure out how we can sell the building because I think the statement they said was, we were ministry poor but building rich." In other words, they had a lot of building, but they couldn't do any ministry Mm -hmm. because they didn't have any money to pay for ministries after they had paid Mm -hmm. the note on Mm -hmm. the building. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, y'all, here's a building for sale, Mm -hmm. and then then we wouldn't have any bank. No banks would give us the money. So then we said, come on, God, we need a bank that will give us some money. And everybody said, no, you're too new. No, no, no. Until one bank, a guy in our church, met with a CEO of a bank, and he said, uh, he looked at our finances, and he looked at it, the president of the bank. And said, if you can save $3 million in three years, you can, you can have $7 million. It costs $7 million. So he said, all right, you give us the $2 million, We'll give you five, and you can get in here. Four months later, y'all, four months later, we're in this building. Nobody could believe it. I couldn't believe it. It's on the freeway, the center of the, of the fastest-growing county in America. That's where we had the building. And then... Who can, I'm telling you, you can't make this up. And then we came in here, and there was a school meeting here. Here's what that meant. Here's what I meant. A school has been here, and they were paying $30,000 a month to the church that was here. So then guess who got $30,000 a month? All of a sudden, everybody, $30,000 more, yay! So that means, here's what we did. All our expenses, all of it, including the note for this building, came up to $30,000. Here's mm-hmm. what I meant. Wow. That meant every penny over that, we start saving again. Because we knew... It couldn't happen overnight. So we knew we'd have to have a bigger space. The space we were in sat about 600 cards. Is that what it said? <clears throat> about 600, about something 700, like that? yeah. Something like that. And so we were packing it up. It was a ridiculous. It was a mess. When rain fell, there's nowhere to park. People had to put on uh, some stockings kind of deal Booties. to make sure that they can walk through the mud and clean themselves up before they come into church. It was ridiculous. We went up to six services in that building. Mm. So remember we were complaining about four? Mm. We had six. Here we go. And so... Mm. But we had $30,000 a month that God gave us mm. to pay for all staff. Everybody got paid now. It wasn't much, but everybody still got paid. We got paid. We got bills paid. We got everything done. And it, was, it blew our minds, the goodness of God, which meant 
by the time we built the other building behind us, we paid for cash. We mm. never we never needed to borrow money again yeah. because yeah. God set us up. The point being, when you wait mm. until God releases you, mm. he will pick up the tab. Mm. But if you go before, you will pay for it yourself. Mm. Yeah. And it was an incredible, incredible mm. gift that God gave to us because yeah. of delayed gratification. Mm. Everybody else was going into buildings, and we said, it's not our time mm. yet, and we waited. And because you waited, God turned it out. And, uh, and the day the school left is the day that following week we walked into that new sanctuary paid in full. Mm. It was crazy. Mm. I can't believe it. It was mm. awesome. All right, yeah. Pastor Max, yeah. it's been really quiet in this one. What do you got so far? What do you, you got? You just got me thinking about all the tabs I've paid because I took off too early. <laughs> mm. Oh, <laughs> gosh. But I really just think uh, a question for you to, as you listen is to think, how many opportunities did you miss because you were hemmed in by finances? Yeah. Wow. How many things has God put in front of you or me that I couldn't jump on because I didn't delay gratification, I didn't save and prepare? And that's been the story of our church mm. throughout the, the beginning. Yep. Mm. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty amazing to see how God's done that. No, um, you know, I want to talk about something before we go on any further. We didn't do this yet. I want to talk about this logo, Pastor Matt. Why don't you yes. tell us about this beautiful logo? Why is there a cross in the middle? Why? What does the what was the uh, what was the O stand for? What's the heartbeat stand for? What does the heartbeat impacting the E stand for? <laughs> Pastor Kurt, let's see if anybody can articulate what that is. The o stands yeah, for what? I'll, I'll start it off. The O stands for oneness, and it's it's what mm -hmm. you talked about earlier. What is the prayer that we could all rally behind? And mm -hmm. Jesus saying, God, I pray that, that they'll be one as you and I are one. And praying for oneness, and Jesus is at the center of that. The O is ultimately just we want to model God's oneness yep. um, through small groups, through yep. community, through everything we are. So O is oneness. The same thing that the Trinity experiences is what we want to experience as a body of believers. Mm -hmm. Now, what a great vision that mm -hmm. is. That, mm -hmm. that you would want the one. It's, yes. You ask God for so many things. God asks us for one thing, oneness. Can you simply answer the prayer that he asked his father for us? That's why we called it the O stand for oneness. Then the cross was there in the middle of the O because we're arguing that the cross is what made it mm. even possible for us to pursue the oneness that the Trinity has. Mm. And the reason why it has a heartbeat, because now you have the end in the form of the mm -hmm. end. The end means the newness of life that mm -hmm. Jesus Christ uh, through the cross creates for us. And it, and it penetrates the E and goes into the E because that means he wants this newness for everybody. And the church is the ones that begins the process of ultimately coming to it coming to fruition when we all get to heaven, when we will be one as Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit is one. And so there's a lot of depth in our mm -hmm. in our logo that many people just you know run by, but it's a significant uh, part of our testimony in our church that we're pursuing oneness. And on your worst day and on your best day. We're going to pursue it, and we're going to love you uh, no matter what. That doesn't mean there won't be discipline. That doesn't mean there won't be clear reprimands, all of that. But we're pursuing oneness the best we know how. And this and is actually a new version, didn't it? Used it was to designed. Just be one. Yeah. There was no community church, there was, was it? Nope. There wasn't. There, so people used to call us. Oh, my goodness. They call us the one. The one. The one. So they Still do. <laughs> so church was one, and, and they would say, hey, man, I go to the one. Like, you're the only good church. <laughs> and so we said, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. It's one. And then we had to add community church because so many people were just saying, I go to the one and only church. It's the best one. And we had to get rid of that. So we called it one community church. So people will have a full name to give it and not just the 
one. Pastor Chris was No, I'm just going to just shout outs to Jada because she designed it. So oh, she sure we just got to give her credit for yeah. her creativity and mm-hmm. putting that together. So, yeah. That was awesome. Cool. All right. So we're picking it up, Pastor Matt, from um, this building. We're moved in now into our new sanctuary. Tell me the strategy. The, what was the strategy behind the sanctuary at Plano? Oh, so we go from oh, a 600 yeah. seater <clears throat> to yep. a. It's still debatable to this day how many seats are actually in that sanctuary. <laughs> but um, we'll just leave that up there. Yep. But what was the strategy behind the size and the footprint of the building now? Yeah, so the idea was because you – this is – I'm so glad you said you asked that question because it, it just reminded me. Oneness is a part of everything we do. So the distance between the stage in what we now call the maze, which kids area, and the back wall – we said to our architects, we want that same distance in our church. We didn't want, we didn't want the, 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 the sage on the stage to be the all the wise one and everybody else are the peons. So we wanted a compressed community of believers that can all see each other. So if you go, one of the reasons why our, our center is so unique and musicians especially love it, because it's a real intimate feel and a real wraparound feel. And the distance between the person on the stage and the back and where the sound booth is, is the same distance as in our smaller uh, maze experience. And that was all intentional because we wanted a tightness and a oneness and a community feel since that's what we were pursuing. And so we intentionally kept it small because we thought that the literally back then we thought the new big is small. So it seats about 1,750. And we didn't want more than that because we thought if you got more than that, <clears throat> one day you couldn't be able to fill it when culture moves and wants small again. And so we, from that day, mm-hmm. we decided we'd do satellite campuses and not just one big 4,000-seat auditorium because we just felt you couldn't do it and you couldn't keep it filled, and it wasn't who we were. We were trying to be a community of believers that got close to each other and fought for each other and did all the one another's in the Bible, and we thought the sanctuary we created was fitting to the vision that we believe God had called us to. So from then, we went to these campuses, and Pastor Matt, that's where you, you kind of came in. How many services were we doing here? Well, I think we were doing four here, weren't we? I think we and did four. And then we four. said we had to go to a campus and to the campus model, and then we started with Louisville. Yeah. Talk to us about that, Pastor Matt. What happened there? Well, we um, – and, and, you know, it's really cool. As you, as you listen today, I forgot to mention this. You can go to our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable and there's a cool resource there that'll walk you through everything we're doing today mm. uh, when we got to going multi-site i remember pastor conway calling me and saying hey i need you to come help do this and i was like uh tell me about it so we just so first of all that's not the truth <laughs> it started three years earlier At and i was three. asking him i said hey man i promise you Students. if you want to get in the big leagues this is where you need to be <laughs> and uh i literally said those words too and uh he said yeah no 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 i love where i'm at right and so i took it every single ev- almost every three months or so i started That's by bringing true. him on staff as a designer so that he could mm-hmm. design some stuff thinking that would catch him it didn't so <laughs> then i started something else and i it, i probably did it for three and three three and a half years before um the lord finally moved upon the <laughs> <laughs> and rebuked him and said, you better go now. Uh, okay. I'll go along with that. I'll give some simple agreement to that version. Um, and, he, and, and, you know, Patrick Holmes said, hey, we're going to go multi-site. Come on and help us do this. And I thought, yes, let's do this. And uh, we had there was already a great team at our Louisville campus that had started about five months earlier having preview services. And mm-hmm. it was an amazing team. Uh, somewhat Pastor Conway or other teachers from our church would come preach once a month there 
team had grown up mm. and built and uh, live teaching there, live worship, everything. It was growing, three or 400 people there. And then I show up and, hey, we're going to go multi-site and we're going to do this new model of video teaching. Mm. And That's right. Video That's right. teaching. They had not experienced that. And that was my first day. Hey, I'm here and we're going to start our first campus and we're going to show you the sermon from the Plano campus. Yep. Mm. And I'll just never forget that in my first three months that I grew that 400 to about 150. (laughs) (laughs) That's backwards growth. And, uh, but we really had a vision that could be duplicated and modeled and it was going well in some predominantly white churches. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in churches like ours said that will not work. Mm -hmm. The pastor has, Mm -hmm. I need my pastor right here. Mm -hmm. And um, and a lot of people said, you can't do it. This will not work in this context. It won't work. Why are you doing this? Yep. And then after the first three months, I thought, they're right. This is not working. Mm. <laughs> um, and we just started. It, really, the heart was to have a church within driving distance of anybody in the Metroplex. Correct. Yeah. So that they didn't have to drive more than 30 minutes to church. Yep. And we knew that if we could, ha- from the beginning have a place where people were fully known and fully loved. Yep. And it wasn't mm. just about a sage on a stage, but an experience that connected people to God's purpose for their life that something special could happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's driven by that very phrase. We didn't want to be known as a church with just a stage on the stage. We wanted a guide by your side. Well, if you want a guide by your side, then we can have a we can provide a campus pastor there that can be a guide with you as you mm-hmm. go through life and have one person on the stage at Plano, and we can change them up all we want, but then you still have your guide by your side. And since that was our model, and it wasn't the traditional model of churches, that always has to have the smartest guy in the room on the stage, then we thought it would work over time. And we were just blown away as after a while, uh, Pastor Matt killed it to 150, and then he built it all the way back up. And we're just blown away that it happened. Then there again, we thought we had a building. That was another one, Pastor Matt. Thought we had a building, thought we were going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, we started talking, and then the guy said, yeah, I remember I was in Jamaica. And the guy says, yeah, um, I think the hotel said, or somebody said, you couldn't meet there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? God, here we go again. Why are you doing this to me, God? This is your church. This is not our church, so you better find a place for us. Mm. So then I came back from Jamaica, I think, early that day, that week, and and I started driving around. And then I saw this church in this this, um, old, what was it, Matt? Was it a... Albertsons, Albertson's grocery yeah, store. Yeah, yeah, and we drove by, and I just drove by, and I went to church over there, and I just sat in the building, and when I sat in the building, I had another impression that this was it, and I'm like, God, can you just give me something that I don't have to have any conversation with anybody? And so, no, he says, that's not the path I have for you. So anyways, uh, a couple of days later, I called him, and I said, hey, what do you think? And said, oh, no, we'd never sell. Oh, no, we're fine, we're fine. And it took us a year after that, and then they were like, oh, yeah, I think we have to sell. So we'll do, are you still interested? And then we went in, and uh, we had to remodel it and redo it all. Had the biggest, or is it the biggest or second biggest uh, uh, playground? playground? It's it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, um, it's, it's ridiculous. But I, I, just again, because of the stewardship at our initial campus mm-hmm. in Plano mm-hmm. and being paid off here, mm-hmm. um, when a building came available and God moved, we were able to jump on it. Yep. No, no campus that's a few hundred people could ever be able to do that, but because of the faithfulness and because of the sacrifice of so many people before a campus yep. provided a space where we could move in and like triple overnight yeah. when we moved into that building and it was finished out. It was really crazy. Yeah. 
And with it was the beautiful. It was a playground, basketball playground. court, yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing was paid after we built the building. It was paid off right then, and we kept it moving. Never had a note on it. So a campus that should probably be paying about one hundred and eighty thousand dollars our a a month. No, month. six thousand dollars times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, that would normally be paying that was paying zero because of the faithfulness of the people at Plano that then paid it forward to that campus. And I'm just telling you, it's only a move of God. Only God could do that. And then it just, it multiplied. We went on a, a, a streak of about every two years. <laughs> yep. um, every two years. It went from Louisville to then Prosper to then Dallas to then the one that I told everybody we should do, Garland. I said, we need to go to Garland. Um, so, you take credit for that one, huh? First yeah. of all, Pastor Matt, every time we do this, he says he doesn't think it's God. I'm telling this is for real. There's no joke now. I said, Matt, what do you think? You think we should do this? Prosper, he was a little, it was, uh, maybe. But Garland, he for sure said, this is, no. no. He just says, I'm not so sure that this, is, that this is wise for us to do. And uh, in those moments, I said, all right. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then we just kept praying. And it was obvious to me and a couple others. And we said, well, forget Pastor Matt. No, we didn't say that. We didn't say that. We didn't say that. We said, I think we should do it. Let's go. And the issue was never resources. The issue really was, do we have the team that can pull it off and can run it in a healthy way? And then I'm telling you, every single time, God sends us amazing people. And this one was only February this year. And I just can't believe what God's doing mm. since February this year. But before that, we need to talk about Prosper, man. I mean, we would never have known on Highway 380 in Prosper, Texas, um, when we're going after buying 14 acres of land, yep. we would not have known that two years later that the PGA decides they're going to build their national headquarters and two golf courses across, right across the, street. the street. Insane. Mm. That that would be the Insane. quickest growing. I mean, Insane. where we are now probably would cost at least twice as much. Yep. And that was just God going before us and us being faithful. And the team there grew that church in a school bigger than I'd ever heard of a church being grown Absolutely. in elementary school. Absolutely. And just the faithfulness of the team and the leaders every step of the way and being in Prosper was just amazing. Really, really was. Mm. Really, really was. And, and to hear people tell us you can never do it on a screen and to see them meeting a thousand yeah. people or more there is just humbling, man. It's just humbling. Mm -hmm. But that's, again, why you... You, no person can take the credit for that. That's mm. all God. Mm. Because nobody ever knew any of this would happen. No, and for sure we didn't knew it would happen this quickly. It's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's why we tell these stories. And it's really just to celebrate God's goodness. Mm -hmm. And you can't see us right now, but we're in a room with young people that are here. They're interns, and they're the next generation. Actually, they are the generation. Mm -hmm. They're this generation. But we're handing the baton off. Um, we're going to hand it off to people that are going to take it faster and further than we ever did. But we got to tell them the stories yeah. so that they remember God's goodness so that for them, it becomes their story, too. Yeah. Um, but, but that's on us. And, you know, when you, you look at the Bible and, for instance, when you see Esther and the story of Esther, um, you see that even today the Jews, they celebrate Purim. Why? Because they want the next generation to remember God's faithfulness. That's and so right. that's, that's why really we tell right. these stories. That's that's why we do this broadcast, that's this right. podcast. By the way, Pastor Matt, I think Pastor Kurt's saying that we're old. Old is all relative. We got a few laps left. <laughs> I don't know how many laps I got. Um, the length of the track. <laughs> 
but it's exciting to see what God's done. Um, and strategically, what we've done is every campus that we have is roughly 20 to 30 minutes from our Plano site. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So whether we're in Prosper, Louisville, down to downtown Dallas is a big deal because a lot of people are taken off from the city. Mm-hmm. And to be going into the city's big. So being in Dallas, then being out in Garland, and there's... There's a, a couple areas we're looking at still. There's one area we do not go into. Very strategic, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I don't go into anywhere near my um, my spiritual father's church mm-hmm. because that would be disrespectful. Um, mm-hmm. It would be dishonoring. And so I wouldn't want to be in the Oak Cliff area, in the DeSoto area, um, unless unless for some reason he gives me the go-ahead. But I wouldn't even ask him. I don't want yeah. to. wouldn't even ask him. Not interested at all. Uh, and so that, that you, you want to always honor up. You always want to honor up. Mm-hmm. If you want God to bless you, then do what you would want people to do to you. That's okay, right. just do it. Uh, do give them give them better than they gave to you. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways I honor him is by never going um, in the Oak Cliff area, in the DeSoto, Duncanville, that yeah. whole area. We would, we just wouldn't do it. Anything else? What do you ask? Yeah, yeah, I mean, Garland is the newest campus that has uh-huh. blown up with uh-huh. another high-growth area. Um, there's some areas out west of here that we've been looking at. Um, so that's kind of just the journey. Multi-site is who we are. Um, COVID really accelerated that. We already had this vision for multi-site, but at COVID, we realized that we are a digital church. And whether we're in somebody's home or we're at a campus, um, there's many expressions of how we gather at our church. And um, I'd love to hear, Pastor Conway, just what's next? We've done campuses. We've done online. What's the future? What's the future look like for One Community Church? Yeah, I think um, I, I, I think God's blessed us too much to not be a blessing to others. And so I just, I am convinced that we need to be one of the most generous churches in blessing mm-hmm. other people now. I think we have spent a lot of time building buildings, building facilities, and mm-hmm. we'll continue to do some of that. But I think we need to find out where the holes are in our cities, and we need to, we need to show them what the fourth R is, which is how, how, how Christ would reshape a city. So mm-hmm. my challenge to our church in this season, and it will be consistently moving forward, is how do we, how do we really bless our city? Mm-hmm. And how, do we, how does the city miss us if we're not here? Mm-hmm. Why does the city desperately want the local church to be here? And then we want to make sure the gospel is spread everywhere. So how do we find who the young stars are and um, and then and then support them. They don't have to do it the way God did it with us. We can be the catalyst for somebody else. And so, how do we do that? How do we find guys that have a heart for God, runs hard after God, and then the men and the women, and then support them as they do that? So, whether it's church planting, whether it's DFW, we love you, whether it's um, a medical center, uh, a mental health center, whether it's whatever it is, we're just going to be a part of the fabric of the cities that God's allowed us to be in. And then we need to ask and answer the question, how can we be a blessing to the to the mayors, to the yeah. uh, city officials? How can we be a blessing yeah. to them? How can we solve problems that the city has so that we can create a better wor- a world? Because the text says in Jeremiah 29 that you ought to seek the welfare of mm-hmm. the city mm-hmm. and you ought to pray for them and you ought to bless them. And their welfare will be your welfare. So our desire and our hope is just to be a blessing to every city that we are, that God has allowed us the privilege to be in. Yeah, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about our fifth Sundays and how that oh, yeah. that's uh-huh. been part of our our Message. DNA for yep. a long time. Yep. And uh, so 
pastor had the vision early on that every time there was a fifth Sunday on the calendar, that was a Sunday that we gave back to the community. So our whole church, everybody, um, we would gather physically at the building, but then we would go physically into the community and do community service projects. So there was no service, no worship. Sometimes we'd, we'd worship in the parking lot, but they had teams and they ha they all had projects and everybody would come back and we would call it serve and celebrate. And so we would get together and just kind of celebrate all that we had done that day. And it's also an opportunity for us to celebrate volunteers and do a lot of amazing things. So that was a characteristic of our church for a very long time, and I'm excited that we're we're getting back to that. Yeah, no, I think it's a huge part because we're we don't go to church; we are the church. And so, if you are the church, how do you how do you remind people of that mentally so mm -hmm. they live that out daily? Yeah. And so, one of the ways you do that is by doing something collectively as a group that reminds everybody that this is what we should be doing daily. It's the same reason we do DFW, we love you. It's a, it's a generosity initiative where everybody's given $40. But the reason we're doing it is because that's what we should be doing every day, looking for people that we can help that are in broken and dark places and seeing how we can help them. So we do it collectively to remind everybody that we should be doing this individually on a daily basis. So Compassion Sunday was the very same thing. Every fifth weekend we do it. And next year we're going to do our first one. It's a little harder when you have this many people, but we still believe it's, it's core to who we are. We've got to ask and answer the question, what would it look like with God's kingdom come on earth as it is in mm -hmm. heaven? And that's then good. one of the ways you do that is by just finding out where the needs are and blessing people. So that's it. That's really Pastor good. Matt, what do you got? I mean, that's kind of a little taste of one community church. Now, um, as you listen, please don't think, hey, this sounds good. I'm going to go do this. Yeah, don't um, do that. This is just, <laughs> we don't even know. We probably couldn't even do this again. Sure, good. Um, but maybe there's been something that inspires you that I want to try a little bit more of this, a little mm -hmm. bit more of that. And that's why we tell the story of how God's been faithful. And maybe there's a little piece that inspires you that you want to do wherever you're at in your context. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah, Pastor Conrad, just one thought. If you were to think in the future, um, some, you know, four generations down the line, and somebody is about to, maybe maybe they're even taking over this church, and they grab a hold of this podcast, what would you say to them? What, what would, if they're thinking about, man, I'm deciding I can use my talents for the world, or I can go into this church deal, like you, because you could have done that, like you're gifted, you could have gone, gone into the business world, but instead you did this, and God's done way more than you could have ever imagined. If you were speaking to that person or somebody that's thinking about it, what would you say? Has it been worth it? What would you say would take mm -hmm. them over the edge? I would say that um, you just must remember, Jesus Christ through the local church is the hope of the world. Mm -hmm. It really is. It really, really is. Um, you can spend all your time and energy as a as a doctor, as a physician, as everything else. And that would be absolutely fine as long as you're on the front lines for Jesus. But when you get to lead a local church, what you get to do, it's the bride of Christ. It's the, it's, the, it's the mechanism through which God blesses the whole world. Amen. There is no greater eternal impact that you can have un unless you do it through the... Through the through the doors of the local church. And to lead one and to be a part of one is is the most humbling thing you can ever do. I promise you it is. Um, I'm just grateful that I had some friends that told me earlier on. Because I was going the business route after I got my MBA. I was going there. And he just said, you will regret it. 
you will regret that you didn't give everything, every last sweat, blood, and tears for advancing the kingdom ball forward. No, that's just my story, man, because I saw what the, a bad local church does, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to help churches get better. Uh, you have your story, but, but being a part of a local church is a massive undertaking mm-hmm. that if you stay humble, if you, if you pursue holiness, mm-hmm. and you have a heart for people far from God, um, there's, very, there's very little God won't do through you Amen. if you just stay humble. And, um, and have a heart for God and stay holy. I promise you, mm-hmm. there's very little God will do for you. And you've got to just make sure it's not about you. If mm-hmm. you genuinely want it for people, and you can fake yourself out, but God knows your heart. If you genuinely want people to be better for his glory, um, there are very few things he won't do mm-hmm. um, for you. So I just mm-hmm. encourage you to follow your heart for God. And if you don't know what that is yet, then go get around some people who, who are clear on their vision. And, uh, and just see if you can learn something from mm-hmm. that, is what I'd say. Hope that yeah. was helpful. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really wow. good. Well, um, we want to thank you, Pastor Conway, Pastor Kurt, the OG of One Community Church, <laughs> um, for joining us. Thank you for listening, just to hear the story of God's goodness and His faithfulness and how He's been following along. And um, we hope this has encouraged you. And if it has, please go tell somebody else. Maybe they're starting a church. Maybe they're on their journey. Maybe you're in the future and, and people aren't wanting to start churches anymore. And this might inspire someone to follow and chase after God and lead others that way. We just thank you for joining us today. Please go leave us a review or share online. Pastor yeah, Conway? I, I want to I wanna remind you of something that might help. Um, just remember that when we started this church, we had no money. We're going into what we call kid mecca. Everybody around here had kids, and we had no kids. Mm-hmm. You're going into an area where um, I'm Jamaican, and they're very professional, and I am not very professional. Well, I, I didn't need an amen. <laughs> oh, my bad. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they can't understand me really well because I have an uh, accent. It used to be heavier. It's still kind of heavy, and um, with all those, all those things against you, yeah. Yeah. God still graciously did something great. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want you to know, mm-hmm. I don't care what your limitations are. That's right. If you trust God, mm-hmm. don't let anybody tell you you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you're gifted, and make sure somebody is sending you. Mm-hmm. Don't send yourself. Mm-hmm. Make sure somebody mm-hmm. has their hand of blessing upon you, who you have been with. The number one thing I did that was the smartest thing in the world is I spent 15 years serving somebody else, mm-hmm. and, and I never wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is what God used to say, I see your faithfulness, and watch what I will do if you remain faithful. Mm-hmm. Hopefully yeah. that helps. Wow. It's cool. really good. That's our charge. That's our challenge, y'all. Take that to heart. And be encouraged as you, whatever limitations you have, like Pastor Conway said, to give it to God. Because when you put what you have in his hands, there's no telling what he can do with Mm -hmm. it. So thank you again for listening today. Share this, like this. Let us know how um, this has been a blessing to you. And go to our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. You can follow along with us. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been an honor to have you here with us. Now, just want to remind you that all of the resources we talked about today are available online at visit1cc.com slash 
Leadership Roundtable. Now, if this has been helpful, leave us a review, go out there and hit subscribe, and more importantly, share this with your team so that everybody can grow. We can't wait to see you next time.